great. So uh, as, as Pastor Scott mentioned, we are in our summer mixtape. So I'm going to be starting us off uh, the first week uh, sharing with you a parable of Jesus. And I, I love digging into the parables. The parables, um, people often call it a earthly illustration of a heavenly truth. And, and I think that's exactly, particularly this parable, I think that's what it does. And this parable is going to be focused on the idea of, of calling, the fact that God has a call on our lives. So let's start, if you would, with a word of prayer with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you eager to see what your word tells us this morning, Lord, whether it would be in admonition, Lord, whether it would be an encouragement, Lord, you have a purpose in, in this story, this parable, even 2,000 years later, Lord, so I just pray that each person here would have open hearts and minds for, for what you have for them today, what you have for us today, Lord. So I just ask you to bless our time in Jesus' name, amen. All right. This morning, I'd like to talk about being faithful to the call. For many of us, faithfulness to the call of God has lost its priority in our lives. And that's unfortunate because when we are unfaithful to the call of God, our life has no target. It has no direction. And uh, when I was writing this, the, the best illustration I had of that was um, my first Roomba I ever owned. Is anyone here have one of these things that terrorize your house called a Roomba? All right, all right. Well, if you had one of the first generation Roombas, uh, it didn't know how to vacuum in a straight line. And so uh, you turn it on and it was like playing ping pong or like playing a pinball machine. You never knew which wall it was going to hit next. And a lot of times it wouldn't even get to the room you wanted to be vacuumed in the first place. Um, so after it ran over my dog's tail, we got rid of that one. We, got a, we have a much better one now. We still have issues, but it, it does a little bit better. Um, but that was just kind of an illustration of when we have no direction. Um, also, when we are unfaithful to the call of God, we miss out on our purpose, and we all need purpose. If you had an brand new air conditioning unit installed in your home and it didn't cool, that wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be living out its purpose. If you had a light bulb and you flipped a switch and it doesn't illuminate, it would not be living out its purpose. It would be just taking up space. It would be dead weight. And um, that's what we don't want in our lives because we have a calling that God has called each of us too. And that's really what we're talking about today. Coming up with a definition for calling is not easy, but uh, let me share with you the best one I found. Your calling is the customized life purpose God has ordained and equipped you to accomplish in order to bring him the greatest glory and achieve the maximum experience of his kingdom. I think that rolls a whole lot of ideas in there. But I think the big point is, is our calling is less about us and more about God. And uh, one way to look at it, it is the calling comes from God. It's empowered by God 
to spread the good news about God to the glory of God. That is what it means to be called. And the thing about our calling is we got to remember God is the caller and you are the called. God is the one doing the calling and we are the one being called. So when God dials you with his iPhone 7000 from heaven, (laughs) Pro Max, he's looking in his contact list, he's finding your name, and one day you're going to get that call. Oh, it's God. (laughs) And the question is, what are you going to do with that call? Are you going to pick it up? So that's really what we're talking about here. Are we going to answer the call of God? And we should all know that all Christians have a purpose. If you are a follower of Jesus, he has a purpose and plan for each one of you. He has a purpose and plan for each of you. Uh, This past month or so, we've been doing Made for Mondays, and Pastor Scott's been doing a great job talking about how our occupation is not secular and coming to church is holy or sacred. Our occupation is also worship as well. So in our occupation, we have a mission field. We are all made for Mondays. And that calling that we have, whatever it may be, it begins, God's calling begins the day you're saved, the day you're born again, the day you've experienced the new birth, all the way through your life till the day you will die or Christ comes again first. That's the period of time we're talking about that God has a calling for us. And um, so what I'd like to do today is look in this parable and we're going to see when God calls us, we have three different responses to his calling. And this parable is going to break that down to us. So let's first take a look at verses 11 through 13. And this is going to set our parable up for us this morning. Starts in verse 11. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story, a parable, to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. And he said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. So in those verses, we have the whole setup for this parable. We have the entire set up. And before we break down those three responses we can have, let's just kind of talk about kind of where this parable kind of fits into the Bible. Um, Previously, just before this parable is taught, Jesus was, you, you remember Zacchaeus, he was in Jericho with Zacchaeus, spending the time at his house, and then him and his disciples were traveling to Jerusalem for the very last time. This would begin the Passion Week. This would be when Jesus would be crucified. And there was a big problem. 
The big problem was that Jesus' disciples were thinking that the kingdom of God was going to immediately appear. Christ was going to reign. Rome would be gone. And here we go. But we all know that was not God's plan from the very beginning, from the foundations of the world. That was not his plan at all. So he was telling them this message to, first of all, illustrate that he's going away, first of all. And secondly, that when he is away, we have a calling to act on whatever period of time that that is. So this whole idea of a nobleman going away to a different land was kind of something that was common in Rome. You had regional leaders, and but to get ultimate authority, you had to have someone in Rome crown you or approve of your ability to rule a specific region. So this nobleman went there to get that approval. And that's the setup for our parable. So let's now look, we're going to be looking at three groups of people, three responses to God's call. And we're going to look, it's going to go from bad to better. So we're going to start with this first group. And point number one, if you're in your notes, this is the response of rejecting the call. This group rejects the call of God. We see this, if you look with me in verse 14 in Luke 19. And so it says here, but his people, the, the, the nobleman's people, hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. So this particular group, this is a group separate from the 10 servants. This is a separate group. This is a group of people who are, you know, bystanders. And this group represents unbelievers. And this group, right when they hear the nobleman's going to go to Rome, they're saying, no way is that going to happen. And they travel before the nobleman in an attempt to stop them from making him king because they hated him so badly. Basically, if we personalized it, it'd be saying to God, no, I'm not following you. I don't care about your plan. I don't want anything to do with you. That's how it would sound if we were to verbalize it. It is a rejection of God's call on our life. It was really cool last week if you've been watching international affairs, Russia, Ukraine. Well, the boss of the Wagner Group, he, he had a bad week. He, he decided he was tired of not being supplied ammunition to his fighters who were fighting on Russia's behalf. And it didn't help that the Russian army bombed some of his guys. He didn't care for that too much. So... He decided, I don't care what my mission is. Our guys are turning around, and we're going to Moscow, and we are going we to protest with an armed protest. Well, if you, if you watch the news, it didn't last very long. Uh, not too many troops joined their convoy, and eventually the boss decided to quit. And he's actually exiled now in Belarus, fearing for his life. Um, but it is an example of someone who is, they know what the mission is, but they reject the mission. 
The boss there rejected the mission. And in Jesus' day, this is so cool, watch this. As Jesus talked about those that would reject him, in this story, this parable, just weeks later, it would happen in his life. They would reject him. And we see that in, um, in John 19. If you want to look at John 19, it should be in your notes, 15 to 16. The setting here is the mock trial of Jesus. He's before Pontius Pilate, and they're deciding what to do with Jesus. And it says this, Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar. And the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. The priests of God's religion rejected Jesus. They reject Jesus. So what happens when we reject Jesus? Let's look at our parable in verse 27. Verse 27, after the king comes back and he talks, he is brought, the people who rejected him are brought to him. This is what he says. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring, bring them in and execute them in front of me. So what happens with those that reject this king's calling, they're executed. And, and that's rough words that we don't, like to, we don't like to think about as we read the Bible. But in a similar way, us as Christians or us as humans, if we, don't, if we reject Christ, we also are headed for destruction as well. And that's the truth of the Bible because we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And, um, but that's not all bad news because with that warning of destruction, Christ, God gives us the opportunity to change our mind and to follow him. Because in God's love and mercy, he even invites his enemies to change their mind, to come to him. Because the Bible says that God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So if you are rejecting God's word, his call on your life, you can change today and trust in him. And I pray that you would do that. So that is the first group, those that reject the call. Let's now look at the second group. This one might be a little bit more closer to home for some of us. When this is the group that falsely embraces the call. Going back to my cell phone analogy, this is someone who sees God's call, picks the call up, and acts as though they want to follow him. But in reality, they're falsely embracing his call. Let me explain this a little bit. Let's look at verse 20 in our text. But the, the third servant brought back only the original amount of money that was given to him. And he said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. And I'll just continue on. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. And then the king replies, you wicked servant. 
So what does this second example do? He takes what God entrusted to him and wraps it in a hanky and sets it somewhere. That's worth, you know, there was worth in that money, but he was careless and lazy with what he was going to do with it. I think of, you know, it's summertime and a lot of us are going on vacation. Maybe you need a, someone to watch your house um, while you are away on your vacation, wherever you're going. And uh, so imagine you're having a house sitter uh, at your house. So you, if, you're, if you're responsible, you're going to write a lot of instructions for them. Please, the garbage is picked up this day. My dog eats this much food at this time of day, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you know what to do. Okay, great. So you go on vacation and you come back. And so as you're pulling into the driveway, first thing you notice, your mailbox is overflowing with mail. Okay, I guess they didn't take the mail in. And you go further, all the shades are drawn in the house. And you go in the house and it's a mess. What is going on here? And your dog looks like it lost 10 pounds. It's like the cans of dog food are still on the counter. They never opened the dog, dog food. Your dog had to call Grubhub. It was so desperate. It was ridiculous. And so, so you kind of think of that scenario and you're like, how lazy, how irresponsible was that person? And, uh, but you know what? I think just like the servant in our parable, there's more to it than just laziness. There is a, a heart issue at play here. There's a heart issue because if our heart's not right, our actions won't be right. If the root's not good, the fruit's not going to be good. And, um, and that's just what we saw in verse 21 when this servant, he kind of let Jesus know what was going on inside. God, you're too demanding and you take things that don't belong to you. So he's got some issues with God deep, deep in his, in his heart. So, and I, and I almost wonder, when someone does that, when someone is so irresponsible, not doing what they're told, not living out their calling, you wonder, does that person even think Jesus is coming back? You wonder. So let's see what happens when the king comes back and encounters this person. Let's, let's check this out in verse um, 22. You wicked servant, the king roared, your own words condemn you. If you knew that I am a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then the king turned to the others standing nearby and the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to this faithful servant over here. So what little this servant had, he didn't gain any interest. He didn't gain any, anything on it, but the Lord took that away from him. He took his responsibility away from him to give it to one who would do what he wants him to do. And when I think about it, in Revelation chapter 3, I think this is a great, great call for those of us who are kind of stuck in this mode here and we're trying to get out of it, that God and his word is encouraging us that we do not have to 
remain indifferent, irresponsible to God's call. Check verse 19 out. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, this is the invitation, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So if you're here today, you're pretending you're indifferent to God's call in your life, let this just be an encouragement that God sees your indifference and he's inviting you to his table to be with him. And not only that, he wants to celebrate with you. He wants you to be named among the victorious. This is the group that falsely embraces the call. So I want, to, I want you to check out this third group. And this is, there's, there's two servants that are in this category. And these are the servants who are faithful to God's call. Faithful to the call. And let's back up and check verse 16 out. As the king comes back and talks to these servants, he begins like this. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted you with. So you will be governor over 10 cities. 10 cities as your reward. Then he goes to this next faithful servant. And the next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. And the king says, well done. You will be governor over five cities. So why did these servants do something different that the other servants didn't? I think it's because they loved their master. They loved their master, and they understood this idea to be faithful in their calling, even with small things. To be faithful in their calling to small things. And boy, this master, this illustration just shows how God, when you are faithful, when you pursue with faith his calling, his favor is poured out on us. So this, this, these servant, this servant here was given one pound of silver. He invested it. He was on mission. He followed his calling, and he gained 10 times that, 10 pounds. Great job. The master was so proud of him. And then what does God give in return? 10 cities, to be in charge of 10 cities in today's dollar, it's about $3 trillion worth of value. That is how our Lord is just so gracious with his favor that he pours out on his faithful servants. Such an encouragement and a picture of favor. And, uh, and it all started because of what? A small, small faithfulness. Charles Spurgeon was an example of that. I, I love, I, I read this story. We all know 
Charles Spurgeon is one of the greatest English preachers. He would preach in London, you know, to, to congregations, thousands of people per week. Just an amazing, we still read his, his um, sermons today. Just, just, just an amazing man of God. And, uh, but, but Spurgeon talks about his ministry, his calling didn't start where it ended. It actually began with small steps of obedience, small steps of faith. In fact, when he reflected in one of his books that his faith began when he was 13 years old in Sunday school and he would teach the other kids about God. He would, when he was a teenager, hand out tracts to everyone he met, small actions for God, small steps of faith. And God just kept giving him more responsibility. He then got opportunities at his church to speak for a short amount of time. He would then travel as a next step of faith. God gave him the opportunity to travel to the country and speak at small country churches that needed a pastor, probably small, small amounts of people. But he was faithful. He was faithful in what God's calling was on his life. And I think it's just, it's so cool. I love how Spurgeon reflected back on those years when he said, if I wasn't faithful in those early years in that small country church, God never would have trusted me with speaking in these large buildings to thousands of people each week in London. I think that's just so cool how, how he realized that. In my life, you know, I, I kind of have a similar experience in that it kind of started in my ministry with a small, small step. Um, in my last church, there was a period where our youth pastor resigned, and I got very upset because I had some kids that were beginning to go into youth group, and they, needed, they really wanted a youth pastor. So went into my, that pastor's office and, and said, we really need to get someone as soon as possible, kind of aggressive with the pastor. And the pastor looked at me and said, well, will we have someone we want to pick to be the interim youth leader? And he says, it's you. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's you. And I didn't know much about teenagers. I still had a lot to learn about the Bible, and I didn't think I had any ability to do that. Um, so on the spot, I said no. Uh, <laughs> And there's a long, there's, another, there's more to the story than I'll go on a, another time. But over that week, God impressed on my heart to follow him and take that step uh, in my calling. And I'm so, so glad he did that because um, it, it ended up being well over a year that we did that, my wife and I. And uh, I really see that as one of those steps in my life that led me to the next step, which was seminary and then wanting to desire to be a pastor. And now the privilege to serve each of you here as a pastor. It's just awesome to see how God works through our lives. And none of that would have happened if I would have put that calling on the shelf. If I would have put that calling on the shelf. So as I speak to each of you, I don't know what step in your calling you're considering right now this week or maybe this year. But whatever you do, I just, I just pray that you will not put your calling on the shelf. 
because God has a calling for you. He has big plans for each one of you. And I just pray that you would make that an area of prayer, that you would be faithful to the call that God has in your life. And with that, let's go ahead and pray uh, as we close. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just so thankful that you are, you've given us purpose, you've given us meaning, Lord, and without you, we're aimless. But Lord, you've called us to not reject you, Lord. You've called us to not be indifferent, but Lord, you've called us to be faithful. So Lord, I pray you would find each person here today faithful, Lord. And for those who are struggling with their next step, I pray that they would take that step of faith, Lord, that, that only you can help them with, Lord, that only you can empower, Lord, that they might spread the good news and give you glory with their lives. So I just thank you, Lord, for, for your word and how it pierces our heart, but also encourages us to have purpose and meaning in Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.